Hey, welcome back to the Not Quite Compassion podcast, and this is episode number 12, entitled Indifference, and um, so here's here's the deal. Uh, I'm going to start our journey towards compassion and really dive into stuff that is uh, hopefully going to be in the book someday. And I, I've been I've been dodging I've been weaving and dodging this because I feel like I'm not ready, right? Because it's the book's a couple years out, and I just started doctoral studies. And um, but I talked with my wife, and she's uh, she's great at this kind of advice moments. And she's like, "Hey, like you should stop trying to write it in pen, and write this thing in pencil." Like, and and the reality is is, is um, I figured that we'd all rather listen to someone who wishes to journey with us rather than someone who claims to have already arrived. Um, so that being said, uh, this is going to be under construction and what I share, I might disagree with a month from now. And I think that's okay. So let's, let's, let's go together. So good. So with that preference, uh, I want to get into kind of the first, uh, stage that I think oftentimes people start in on their journey towards compassion. And that is, uh, the nature of indifference. And where does indifference come from? Well, um, a few things is that um, I think indifference can come from this idea that it, if we see poverty or needs of the world or homelessness or refugee resettlement or um, whatever it might be, like various different needs that, that we should feel like we should care about but we feel indifferent towards, we oftentimes are indifferent towards them because they're out of sight or out of mind, right? We can change the channel uh, on that ad asking for twenty. Four dollars a month, you know, to help some place in Africa because we're, we're we're far away. We we can change the channel, and there's a reality to that, right? That if it's out of sight, it's out of mind, and we can remain indifferent. Uh, other, um, I think, symptoms or, or uh, reasons why we become indifferent is because of this idea that poverty now has been redistributed. I'm listening to this quote from um, the, this book called Rich Christian by Ronald J. Sider. I thought this was really interesting. He says, Oxford economist Donald Hay has pointed out that a mere 2% of the world's grain harvest would be enough, if shared, to erase the problem of hunger and malnutrition around the world. This is how famine has been redefined, or rather redistributed. It no longer inconveniences the rich and powerful. It strikes only the poor and powerless. Since the poor usually die quietly in relative obscurity, the rich of all nations comfortably ignore this kind of famine. But famine, redefined and redistributed, is alive and well. Another, I think, uh, aspect of what makes us indifferent is uh, some aspects of tolerance. Uh, At least that was my um, experience when I visited Portland a few months ago. Uh, I got to uh, tour around with uh, this wonderful pastor who's been in the Portland area for like 30 years, Mark Strong. And he took us uh, and walked us around the neighborhood of his church, which is in downtown Portland. And he kept pointing out to us like, hey, this used to be a barbershop, and now it's a high-rise condo with a vegan restaurant at the bottom. <laughs> and, like all these clear indications of um, gentrification. And Portland is notoriously known for being one of the most um, tolerant, most liberal, most progressive cities in America. And yet they have this very... Um, ugly underside belly to them of um, racism, of gentrification, of um, a, a sense of even white supremacy. And it's, it's because it's masked in a sense of tolerance that, as my um, 
professor put it, tolerance can actually mean indifference if we're not careful. Another aspect I think of indifference is uh, a sense of paralysis, right? Uh, this certainly hits me when it comes to like environmental concerns. It's like the problem's so big, where do I even start? And so since I don't even know where to begin, I don't start at all. And the default is indifference. Um, I, I remember a, a pastor at this church I used to work at. I had some concerns because they were about to spend like $6 million on a, um, building a gym. And I was like, hey, what if we built or at least used that gym to help um, with the homeless situation in the city? And he literally laughed at me and he said, Kyle, Jesus said himself, we'll always have the poor among us. If that's just not a statement of indifference, right? Not to mention totally um, <laughs> gets that scripture all the kinds of, I mean, just, gosh, he butchered that one badly. That is, I mean, Jesus said that, but he said it in terms of that um, he was referencing back to an Old Testament text that says, hey, we're always going to have the poor among us, so here's some things we should always do. <laughs> it wasn't a, um, a way of excusing us and allowing us to be remain indifferent to the needs around us. Um, another, I think, aspect of, uh, of indifference is that we're overly in- informed. Like I could tell you right now that there's a thousand girls that will be on the street of Seattle tonight. A thousand girls. And the average age of those girls that will be trafficked is the age 14 to 15 years old. I could also tell you that this year is the warmest year calculated ever in our history of our planet. And yet that second part, I, I understand that, but I also realize that you know last month I stopped at Wendy's and um, got some fast food, which is a massive, huge contributor to our overall environmental needs. I mean, it's, it, it produces waste, the way they, um, they kill and uh, f- factory through um, cows for, um, for the meat is, is all of that stuff is massive contributors to um, the warming of our planet. And yet, I still went to Wendy's and went through the dollar menu in the drive through, you know, so just because we're informed and we're aware of the of the of what's happening doesn't mean we actually do anything about it. Another more comical way, I think, is this quote by John Oliver. He says, "Awareness of a problem doesn't necessarily make something better. I've been aware of Coldplay for years, but that doesn't seem to make the issue go away." But um, boom. <laughs> I'm a big John Oliver fan, and we need to laugh. This is getting a little heavy. All right, let me rip through a few more, and then I'll start to get some um, some ways that hopefully we can come out of this idea of indifference. Another um, aspect of indifference is, I think, is a, a misunderstanding of righteousness. That uh, if we're not careful, indifference can lead us towards isolation or insulation. You see this in the Bible in the book of Luke chapter 10, the story of the Good Samaritan, right? The guy that's um, on the side of the road, he got beat up by people, he's left there for dead, and there's just other people that kind of walk by this guy in need and don't do anything, right? But it's a Good Samaritan at the end of the story that decides to do something about it. Well, earlier, one of the people that passes by and does nothing that remains indifferent is this priest, But in the book, Mending the Divide, uh, that I read earlier this month, he points out that the priest didn't necessarily walk by the guy because he's just a cold-hearted soul. He walked by him because of his his decision to remain faithful to the cleanliness laws of his day. He was, in his mind, trying to be righteous, to try to be faithful to God. And he knew if he got too close to this guy and touched him, that he would be considered unclean. And then he couldn't go back and serve his congregation because he's an unclean priest and he's not able to provide or produce the sacrificial 
um, parts of his duties, and so he wouldn't he would be a failure as a priest if he decided to help this guy. Does that, that make sense? It wasn't out of like this cold hardness. It was out of a religious obligation. It was actually from a good place. This guy was pursuing a sense of righteousness, but his sense of righteousness, this is why Jesus includes this priest in the story, is confused. That righteousness um, back then was defined by how um, isolated or insulated we could be from the world around us. But Jesus redefines righteousness over and over again. Like that's why he that's one of the reasons why he got himself killed is because he continually moved toward relationship, towards intimacy, towards the other. That's honestly it's one of the one of the things I love about the faith of Christianity over other world religions is because it defines righteousness in a totally different way. That it moves us out of isolation towards relationship towards the needs of the world, not away from the needs of the world. And this misunderstanding of righteousness, misunderstanding, can lead us to a sense of indifference. Uh, it's also, you see it in the way that we view the cross, that the, the item, the thing used to murder Jesus, that this cross, some Christians believe, brings us complete victory. So there's no more mess in the world. It's problem solved, stamp of approval, done and done, right? It is finished after all. Versus maybe the cross is more about a God who doesn't like remove the mess, but he sits with us in our mess. That he didn't just suffer for us, he suffers with us. And it's that view of righteousness that leads us out of indifference. So, how do you know if you've become indifferent? What are some like red flags or telltale signs of recognizing whether or not you or I are becoming indifferent? That, that this, we've, hit, we've, we've hit the pause button and we need to hit play again. We need to continue this journey towards compassion. How do we know that we've stopped short? Okay, so a couple ways I've seen is that indifference, from, in my life at least, either becomes nihilism or narcissism. And that's oftentimes a recognition that, oh gosh, I've become indifferent. Is one either nihilism or narcissism? That this sense of like total fatalism, like, oh gosh, well, it's whatever. Or consumerism. It's like, we're all screwed, so why bother? Or get all you can while you, while you can. This idea of eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Or grab all you can and he who dies with the most toys wins. Do you see how that those two kind of like um, diverging paths, both of those are rooted from a sense of indifference, this idea of nihilism or narcissism. So let's get personal for a second, okay? Um, I was asking myself, like, what, what areas of my life have I become indifferent towards? And one of them was I, I really struggled for a long time of being indifferent towards the church. And I knew I was becoming that way. Because of uh, the sense of nihilism. And it was like, well, pff, the church is just a, a wreck in America. And maybe they'll get it figured out in 60 years or whatever. But I'll be long dead anyway. So who cares? And geez, it's just, it's just effed. You know, that, that's nihilism. And that comes from a sense of narcissism or from, from a sense of indifference. Or what about um, perhaps you're feeling like an indifference towards a relationship or a coworker, a relative, that I, I know that I've 
in previous positions, I've had an indifference towards a coworker and I knew I did because I started getting really narcissistic. That's like, okay, well, if they're just going to be an idiot and that relationship's never going to be good, then I'm just going to do me. I'm just going to take care of myself. Screw them. Who cares what they do if they're having a good job or not? I don't, I'm just going to take care of my area and that's it. Right? That's, that's a recognition of indifference. And it means I've stopped short. It means I'm no longer moving towards compassion. And ultimately, it's because an indifferent person is a hurt person. This is where we're going to start getting personal. This is where it gets out of the theoretical part of it and starts getting a little bit more personal for all of us. Because isn't that true? That an indifferent person is ultimately a hurt person. They're protecting themselves from the idea of hoping again. That That's why I've become indifferent is because I was hurt by the church. And I don't want them to hurt me again. So I'll defend myself and put up this this shield, this, this armor of indifference to protect myself from ever getting hurt again. But when I put that armor on, I can't move forward towards compassion anymore. I'll never be com- more compassionate in that area of life towards the church or towards that coworker as long as I keep this armor of indifference on me to protect me from being hurt. Uh, my favorite movie in the whole world is Goodwill Hunting. And there's a scene of uh, Will, who's played by Matt Damon, and um, and Sean, his counselor. Uh, and, and Sean's trying to help Will figure out, like, why are you indifferent towards this relationship? This girl that you're supposed to like, how come you're not trying with her? And and uh, and Will's, like, kind of shrugging it off, like, well, I don't know. Who cares? It's just a girl. But 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 the counselor knows better. And he says to Will this. He goes... Maybe you're, you're perfect right now. Maybe you don't want to ruin that. I think that's a super philosophy, Will. That way you can go through your entire life without ever having to really know anybody. Do you see how that works? Like We put on this armor of indifference to really actually protect the reality that we're actually really hurting inside and we're scared and we're wounded. When I say I don't care about something, it only speaks of a time when I used to care and I'm protecting myself from caring again. Indifference is a wonderful armor, but it keeps us from moving, journeying towards compassion any any further. So there's a story in the Bible, in the book of Luke chapter 24, where um, Jesus has died on the cross, and there's been some like small rumors of him raising from the grave, but most people don't believe it. And it's been a few days now too, and so um, people have like started to move on with their lives. Like um, Peter, Jesus's closest friend, has like gone back to fishing. That's what he used to do before he was a follower of Jesus, and was a disciple. He was he made a good living doing fishing. He's already gone back. Like he's people are moving on with their lives. And there's a group of um, Jesus' friends that are walking from a, this town called Emmaus to Jerusalem. And it's about a seven-mile walk. 
And in this walk, um, Jesus actually starts walking alongside them, but they don't know it's him, which is really interesting. I don't really know how he pulls that off. <laughs> I just know that he starts walking alongside him, and, and <laughs> the story's actually kind of funny. Uh, you should read it later. But um, he asks him, he's like, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, what do you think we're talking about, man? This huge thing just happened in town where this guy died on the cross, and we we and he's like and Jesus is like what are you talking about? He's like you haven't heard seriously like he, Jesus is kind of playing dumb. And, but there's this really interesting um, thing that they say. They go they, Jesus is like what things? And they go oh about Jesus of Nazareth. They replied he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who is going to redeem Israel. And that last sentence has been haunting me when it comes to indifference. But we had hoped. Man, I mean, isn't that really what's behind our indifference? But we had hoped. But I had hoped that this job was going to work out. But I had hoped that he or she was the one. But I had hoped I could really start saving towards that goal again. But I would hoped that they actually cared. But I had hoped I could finally be myself but I had hoped that God would come through. Seven miles, but we had hoped. And if we keep walking down that road of indifference, I'm telling you, it dead ends at the end of that seven miles. You'll end up in a cul-de-sac of narcissism or nihilism. Or you and I, we can choose to hope again. I went on a walk yesterday and uh, wasn't quite seven miles. <laughs> but at the end of it, I, um, I, uh, <laughs> I have trouble admitting this. I don't want to admit it. I started listening to Christian worship music. <laughs> which tells you where I'm at with this whole institutional religion thing. When I have trouble admitting that I some uh, <laughs> I listen to Christian worship music on a progressive Christian podcast, that's where that's very telling actually <laughs> where I'm at. <laughs> but I, I started listening to some Christian worship music, and it was like, um, <laughs> and and I remember thinking. And almost, I guess probably, yeah, I guess probably praying to God, like, I don't want to hope again. But there's this, because it to hope again means to try again. To hope again means to be vulnerable again. To hope again means to put ourselves out there again. To hope again means we maybe most likely will be let down again. And this is how the story ends in um, the road to, um, from a road to Emmaus. The, 
Jesus uh, continues to walk with them and he, he tells them like all these cool things in the Bible about how it all points to like, hey, this Jesus guy was never going to be this huge victor, right? To solve all your problems and get rid of your mess. But he actually was, he came to sit down into your mess, to suffer with you, to show you a totally different way of living this life. It wasn't meant to like be some grand military victory. It was meant to be a suffering servant to show us what being human really is about, to lay down our lives for one another. And he's telling them all this, and they're like, oh, they're kind of intrigued. And they get to the end of the seven mile walk, and, uh, and Jesus keeps walking. <laughs> he plays kind of coy. And they're like, hey, what you had to say was really interesting. Would you mind staying for dinner? And Jesus is like, okay, fine, sure. And they go and have dinner together. And during dinner, deja vu, Jesus takes out some bread and some wine. And he breaks the bread. And he offers them the wine. And then in that moment, the Bible says their eyes were just opened. Just like that. And they recognized Jesus for the first time. And then this is what they say about that, looking back at it. They go... Um, gosh, where is it true? Or where does it say it? They said, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Were not our hearts burning within us? And yesterday on my walk, um, I started feeling my heart burn within me again. You know, like problems aren't solved. Things aren't perfect, right? But in that moment, I decided I want to hope again. I want to try again. I want to dream again. I want to imagine again. I am making a decision that I'm going to hope again. I'm going to hope for the church, even though I have no idea why I would at times. I'm going to hope for this job that I'm in right now. I'm going to hope for the future. I'm going to hope for this crazy idea of writing this damn book that people would even want to read this stuff, you know? <laughs> I'm going to hope for this degree I'm getting, a third degree in a religion that I'm not sure if even the, the religion even wants me anymore. Like, <laughs> But I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to try. I'm still going to put myself out there. I'm still going to allow myself to be disappointed and maybe hurt again. But damn it, I'm going to hope. Because if there's one thing a Christian must must do in this world, if there's one thing a human being must do in this world, it is hope. And um, wiser people than me have said this quote that stuck with me, that hope is not timid. So what will you hope for? Where have you been indifferent? And I get it. Oh my gosh, I get it. I get it. That that armor feels so comfortable because you can protect yourself and you're safe. But you can't move any further. Indifference is an armor that protects us. But it keeps us from walking. And I want to invite you on that seven-mile journey. I want to invite you to allow the God of hope, the God of the third day, 
the God of the empty tomb, the God of resurrection and broken bread and poured out wine, the God of hope. I want to introduce you and welcome you to journey on that walk with him. That you would start to allow him in that journey to take your indifference and give you the courage to hope again. Next week, I'm going to take this a little further and zoom in specifically on how do we um, rebuild a hope and faith and Christianity and even the church. I want to zoom in a bit on that and get into what that looks like specifically for us, while also hopefully really validating where each of us are on that journey. Because I don't want to belittle indifference. Uh, Hopefully I haven't. It's necessary to go through this, but we can't stay here, guys. We got to keep walking. May your heart burn within you this week. May you experience this grace.